Well, what I'm going to say to you this morning is no secret. And just the sheer notion that I'm up here doing what I'm doing and you're down there doing what you're doing is kind of indicative of the day, right? Because we have so many people saying so many things. And sometimes I think that God has called me to preach just simply because I have a big mouth and I don't sit still for very long. And perhaps, as Susan may testify, I need help in listening. Right? I need help in listening. I took some pastoral counseling courses and those kinds of like practical like seminars. And then you have to do some role playing and stuff like that. Right? So one of the pastoral counseling courses that I took had us seated and doing some role play with the instructor who was a licensed therapist. Sitting and then he would call time out and go... Boy, don't say that ever again to someone in your church that comes for help, right? It was that kind of thing. And so as I was participating in that, the major criticism for the way I was moving through that course was that I kept offering advice when advice wasn't asked for, and I kept trying to fix things that people didn't necessarily want to fixed. And I had to learn, and this professor, Dr. Gerald Garcy, he had to teach me how to ask more questions. He had to teach me how to ask questions to um, get people talking, to have them express what was on their heart, to try to pull stuff out of them so that we could become a better listener, right? So that was one of the major things that I had to do is I had to learn how to, one, become a better listener, and then two, help people learn how to speak so that I could hear them, right? Because we know sometimes there is a message sent and a message received, and those sometimes are very, very different, right? For those of us that have had relationships of any kind, there is a message sent and a message received, and sometimes those aren't the same thing. How many of you have ever been misunderstood, right? Yeah, to where someone comes to you and they'll say, well, yesterday you said, and they'll rattle off a sentence, right? And you're like, oh, I didn't say that, and, and you're not lying, you're not being overly defensive, defensive, but you are seriously saying, that is not, you know, and maybe they even had the words right, but have you ever, follow me here, have you ever received words, interpreted those words with different words, and then spoke those different words back to the one you were speaking with, and you were way off, Right? So what we do is we take this information in from someone, and then we go away from that conversation, we interpret what they said, and if we're wrong, we just sit with that wrong misunderstanding. And we just let that stew, and we let that be in our hearts, and then we start responding and reacting to people based upon not what they meant, but what we thought they meant. And I know that today there's so much being said. We have more opportunity to say things than ever before. Constantly I'm being asked, did you get my email? Did you get my text? Did you get my voice message? Did you get my instant message? Did you see that video that I posted? Did you see that video that I posted of my kid? Did you see what I had for lunch yesterday? Did you see where I went on vacation? (sighs) And then there's the things that I'm doing. Pastor Ryan does a midweek little video. I do a little midweek video. We have a podcast. We have our online service being brought live streamed right now. We have the stream. I mean, we have this setting that we're in right now. Um, I write for a magazine called Outreach Magazine, and so I'm doing some articles for them. And so I'm saying all these things. Sometimes it's like, 
I wonder what they're hearing. <laughs> I wonder what they're hearing. And maybe that would be a worthwhile conversation for me and you to have, for me to sit down and to say, what are you hearing from the pulpit? What are you hearing me say to our church? What is God saying to you? As we launch out into this new series, we're calling it, Can You Hear Me? Because I think a lot of people are asking that question right now. I think a lot of people are asking, can you hear me, but not necessarily my words, but my heart, but my heart. Can you, can you hear my, me as a person? Can, can you hear maybe my frustration? Can you hear my doubt? Can you hear my joy? Can you hear my happiness? Can you hear my questions? Can you hear my fear? Right? And so I know that you and I, we have this desire to be heard and to be understood. And there's a lot behind that as well, but we'll leave it just as this first part is you and I desire to be heard and I want to answer that question in a few different ways. And today, well, actually, before, before I get to today's message, to introduce the series, I'm going to give you two launching points. One of them is found in Proverbs 19, verse 20, where the psalmist writes this, Listen to advice and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future. Boy, what an amazing verse to start out the year with, right? Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. How many of you need wisdom to move through this next year? I do. Do you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. Okay, so we, we have a lot of information coming. We, we, we can amass a lot of knowledge, a lot of facts, a lot of numbers, a lot of opinions, right? Those are all flying at us at an incredible rate. But I need wisdom. Because I can know what's being said in the world, but do I know how to apply it to my life? Do I know how to apply it to my relationships? Do I, need, do I know how to walk in wisdom as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather? Because a lot of us can have a conversation and go, well, I heard this and I heard that and I've seen this and I've seen that. We have so much information. But what we need is some wisdom. Another verse that we're going to use to launch out into this series is James chapter 1, verse 19, where James writes this. He said, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Oh. Quick to hear. That our natural response, our immediate reaction is to perk up our ears. Phone rings. You see that caller ID? I gotta listen. Not, oh, I wonder what they want. Uh, ignore. I don't know who potential spam is, but they keep calling me. If any of you are named potential spam, uh, potential spam, sorry, I never pick up the phone when you call. My junk mail, my promotional box in my email, full, full, full. But the Lord is telling us in the scriptures. To let us be quick to hear, slow to speak. I know some of you are like me. When someone's talking to you, you have to shut off your brain because if you let yourself go and your natural inclination is to start saying, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say? How would I respond to that? And now you're not listening anymore. You're, not in, you're, not, you're no longer taking in information. You're just thinking about the next thing to say. And that usually has come out of a place of what? Um, selfishness, defensiveness, fear, shame, 
all sorts of negative emotions stirring up inside of us when we're hearing these words come at us, and then when we feel like, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say this, and then we're no longer listening, right? So how do we do this? Message number one, the good listener. I want to talk to you guys about that this morning for just a little while. The good listener. And in regards to the good listener, I want you to know this one thought. Only good listeners are worth the conversation. Now that might sound kind of harsh. Because whenever you use the word worth, now we're talking value, right? And I know that when you ever use that word worth, I'm not saying that I'm devaluing you as a person. If you're a poor listener, then you're just trash. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about your intrinsic value as a human being, okay? But what I'm talking about is the conversation that you and I have. Because if we're going to sit down and have a conversation, if, I'm, if I don't have the skill to listen to you and you don't have the skill to listen to me, the conversation is not worth having. And if I'm not going to listen to you and if I'm not going to pay attention, I'm just going to be thinking when I can hang up or when I can, you know, give you the final emoji, you know, maybe I'm praying for you because that's the pastor one, right? And that's how I can end the conversation. <laughs> how many of us get stuck in conversations texting and you're like, how do I get out of this? Because if I just leave it, it's like rude. I have to like close this out somehow, right? And so we get stuck in those. But I think that somewhere along the line, you and I have to maybe realize that some, com- some people, and I, I, I hate even saying this, some people are going to continue down a path in their life of destruction, of blindness, of, dare I say, stupidity, because they are unwilling to listen And when someone is unwilling to listen, I don't want to waste my time speaking. I don't find that the conversation is going to be of value. And I don't think it's going to be worth time and effort. But when somebody wants to listen, see, that's when people want to listen, I hear questions. When someone makes a statement... I don't think they're ready to listen. When someone asks a question, now I think they're ready to listen. So when someone fires off a a derogatory complaint, a nasty remark, a rude sentence, and just announcing their opinion to the world, okay. I'm not going to try to argue with you. I'm not going to try to fight with you. I'm not going to try to contradict you. I'm not going to try to do any of that. Because you've made your statement, you haven't asked my opinion, and so if I should give my opinion, you're probably going to dismiss it. You're probably not going to listen. You're probably going to come to the next thing that you would say, your counterpoint. You would give another one of your list of reasons for why you said the initial statement in the first place. And so I don't know about you, and maybe the Lord needs to work on my heart. And if you're listening to me this morning and you're going, man, what's wrong with the pastor? I'm just, I'm just tired of wasting time. And I'm tired of sifting through people's comments that I don't really know where they're coming from. And then I do know that there are some people that are desperately searching for answers and that desperately want to grow and desperately want to move and change and experience the best that God has for them. And I don't want to waste my time chasing comments 
when I could be spending quality time with people that want to learn and that could probably teach me something as well. So I want to spend this next, this 2022, I want to spend time with listeners and I want to become a listener. Because if I'm really listening to you and you're really listening to me, I think we could really make some ground. I think I can grow if I'm listening to you. And I think you can grow if you're listening to me. And I think our relationships can grow if we're listening to each other. Amen? And I think God knows what I want to say to him. But I really desperately need to hear from him more than he needs to hear from me. Right? So, becoming a good listener. How do we do this so that our conversations are worthy of the time and of the effort? First of all, a good listener tests words. A good listener tests words. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Job 34. We will have it on the screen behind me if you don't. But let me give you a little bit of context by the time we get to the chapter 34 of the book of Job. By the time we get to the 34th chapter of the book of Job, a big, 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 big story has taken place. Job, this righteous man, has lost everything. He lost his health, he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost everything. And he had done absolutely nothing wrong. And at the beginning scene of the book of Job, something very confusing kind of happens. Because you, you have this discussion between Satan and God, which kind of throws us all off. Because we don't really think that that happens, but it, but it does, as indicated by Job. And so the complaint of Satan to God was that Job was faithful because God protected him from everything bad. Nothing bad had gone on in Job's life. He had everything that he had ever wanted, and Job lived his life perfect, and Satan came before God, and he just basically said, well, the reason he's like that is because you've protected him from everything. If you let me at him, I bet you he'll curse you to your face. And God says to Satan, and I'm paraphrasing loosely, do everything but kill him. And Satan does. And then sure enough, as Job begins to suffer, he's puzzled, he's confused, he's broken, he's hurting. His wife tells him, just curse God and die. How about that? How about if I'm sick, laying in my bed, and Susan just walks in, <laughs> you just curse God and die. That's where Job was. And then Job's friends, because they were so wise, <laughs> Job's friends were coming to him, man, just repent of your sin. I didn't do anything. Sure, you have sinned. Because there's no way that all this bad stuff would be happening in your life if you were living the right way. It's because you're living the wrong way. And Joe had had this dialogue back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then we come to verse 34, where you have somebody else interjecting. His name is Elihu, if I said that right. Verse 1 says this, this guy. Now notice, Elihu is not one of... His friends necessarily, he's not really on Job's side. He comes kind of speaking the middle, kind of. And he says, Then Eliehu answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men, and give ear to me, you who know. And there's a little bit of sarcasm there, okay, in the way that this is written. It's a little bit like, hey, you friends of Job that think you know what you're talking about, you wise people who know. And Job, you, the one that thinks you know everything too and is just in this kind of place where you're like, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why I'm suffering. He says this. He says, give ear to me, you who know, for the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. 
So right in the middle of this dialogue, this argument, when everything's gone haywire, you have this guy come and say, hey, uh, are you testing the words that you're hearing and what you're seeing? Because then he speaks to Job. And this is not on the screen, but let me just read it to you for the sake of context. It says, for Job said, this is Eliehu, so he looks at Job, he says, "So, so you've said, I am in the right, and God has taken away my right in spite of my right, I am counted a liar. My wounds are incurable, though I am without transgression. So he says, Job, that's, what, that's the position you're in, buddy. <laughs> and then he turns and he says, What man is like Job, who drinks up scoffing like water? The scoffing was the words of his friends. He's talking to the friends and he's saying, he's just taking in all the garbage you're giving him. And then who travels in company with evildoers and walks with wicked men. For he has said, it profits a man nothing that he should take delight in God. And so here's Eliehu saying, hey, we need to test what you're saying, Job. We need to take your innocence that you're proclaiming and test your words. You that are coming to Job and you are accusing him of this evil doing and of sin. And this is why his life has gotten off the rails because you think he's committed some good some evil, you need to test the words that you're saying. And it's very interesting that we live in a world where we have these people, and I I don't know who they are. Maybe you do, and after service you can enlighten me, but I don't know who the fact checkers are. I don't know who they are. But that would be what this verse is saying. That you need to do a better job fact checking when people tell you something. Who said it? Where did they get their information? What kind of character is behind the words of the people that are talking? See, that, those are the things that, that I want to know. Because all, all a lot of people have to say to our culture today is this. Recent studies said, research says, science says, well, what study? Well, where? What was the sample? What was the location? I take 10 people in Yukaipa and do a study based on 10 people in Yukaipa, and then I go into L.A. and I say, research says. Well, 10 people in L.A. won't give a flip about what 10 people in Yukaipa say. So who knows? You see what I'm saying? But yet we drink this stuff up because we don't know how to test words. And I think we can grow in the skill in that. In one way, as a Christian is to take the words that we're hearing, test them according to God's Word, and say, well, what does this say? You say this. Okay, well, let's go. And then you and I as Christian people, one thing that I love doing with Christian people that I disagree with is sitting in both you and I. Maybe we have a different perspective on something, but you and I believe one key common point, the authority of the Scriptures. And if we sit with the authority of Scriptures, you and I can have a wonderful dialogue of agreeing and disagreeing, of learning and mutual understanding and growth because we're saying, let's help each other understand this based upon the authority of God's Word. Now we can have a conversation. But if you don't have at least one basis like that, then it's just kind of subjective, right? It's just your opinion and my opinion. And so I challenge you to uh, spend some time this year when you hear something. Well, let's go to God's Word and let's... And let's see. Let's test 
the words. Also, a good listener, second point of this message, is that a good listener is one who has been made wise and humbly receives correction. Notice Proverbs 13.31 says this, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Interesting. Now this word wise in this verse, a wise son, it is literally a son that has been made wise. Now how do you suppose a son is made wise? Well, when the son gets everything he wants, he becomes wise. Nope. (laughs) You know, my little grandson, my kids are probably really mad at me, by the way, because my grandsons, they can just manipulate me and abuse me as grandpa. I just have the hardest time saying no to these little guys. Now, three, two of them, and one, Liam, I just, you guys know him, I think he's going to be a lawyer. This little guy, had him in the grocery store the other day, and I, I had to say no to some things, and it broke my grandpa heart. Didn't As a dad, I was just like, no, put that back. No, no, no. Stop crying. Let's go. That was like dad. Grandpa, I'm like, please don't cry. Please don't cry. So my grandson, Liam, who's four years old, and we're standing to finally make it to the checkout. But you know what they put at the checkout, right? Candy. And we're like, Ugh. He made a wise choice a few minutes prior when he pulled an apple out of the produce section and said, Beepaw, can I get this? Yes, you can. Have, let's get the apples. We're good with apples. Let's go. Okay. And he was determined to make an apple pie out of one apple. He was probably depressed later when he found out that wasn't going to happen. But he's standing there and he's looking at these gummy worms and his brain is spinning. And he's looking at the gummy worms and he, said, he wants these gummy worms and he's thinking, but he's not saying anything. And then my daughter, Bailey, was there, his aunt. And so I, I do this. I just took a step this way. I didn't want to tell him no anymore. So I told him no like 20 times. And I was like, oh, no. And then Bailey goes, well, we have enough things. Maybe your dad will buy that for you when he brings you. Oh, he looks up and he thinks for a second. He goes, he doesn't know how to get here. <laughs> and we're like, Oh, no, he knows how to get here. No, we need to get him now because my daddy doesn't know how to get to this store. <laughs> I'm like, no, he does. But he was trying to convince us that we need, we need these right now. Thankfully, we made it out of the store without those gummy worms because Bailey had to say no to him. I didn't. I kind of just moved on. And I knew somewhere in my grandpa relationship with him, and I know I leave the discipline to his dad, but I got to thinking about that, and I got to think, I cannot have this little guy and the two other ones going, well, Grandpa's a pushover. Dad, he's pretty tough, but Grandpa's a pushover. I'm like, I can't do that. I have to kind of take back some of that stuff that I did as a father and where I disciplined my children and, you know, kind of stand strong and say, no, we're not getting that. But I, ah, well, we're not. Well, I'm not going to punish him. That's the thing. But I will say, you know, I have to talk to your pops about that. <laughs> because we can't let young men, young guys, young people think that success in life is getting all you want. We need to help the next generation become wise, or they will never become wise. And there's a lot of trouble and a lot of things we can say there, right? A lot of things. So I'm kind of challenged as a grandpa. I think I, think I did okay as a, kid, as a, as a dad, uh, my adult children. 
they thought I was horrible when I were teenagers, but then they, no, I don't think they ever did, but I think I did okay there, but I think I need some work as a grandpa. Maybe some of you can teach me how to do this. But the one that has been made wise listens. But through discipline and challenge, I think we need to help our young people become better. And then there's this other phrase, this phrase, but the scoffer does not listen. Now that word scoffer is arrogant, prideful. It's those words that, oh, that'll never happen to me. Oh, I'll never fall into that. Oh, that'll never become a problem. I'm too strong for that. I'm too smart for that. I'm too good for that. Just scoffing at every instruction. Comes out of arrogance. So this verse says that a good listener is one that has been made wise and is humble. And so are you that today? Has God worked in in your life in such a way that you've kind of stopped scoffing and you've stopped rejecting and you've considered and you've listened when someone or God comes and encourages you to change and to listen. And so also a good listener is one that can disagree in favor of God's will. Now if we're going to listen to one another, this is a big one. This is a big one. You and I have to learn how to disagree and then move into God's will. So if you and I are having a discussion about all the different things that are going on in the world today, if you and I are trying to set a course, maybe we're going to sit down and try to come to a decision on something. Maybe you need some help or I need some help or maybe you're in a leadership position at the church and we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation and we're going to try to get to a place where we can make a solid decision. What you and I are going to have to do is we're going to have to learn to be in states of disagreement with one another and stay calm, stay reasonable, and keep seeking God's will. So if Susan and I are in a discussion about how to spend money, let's just use that because that's a big one in marriage, right? We have to sit down and say, okay, she says one thing, I say another. We're going to live in this tension of disagreement. I'm not going to bully her and say, I'm the husband, do whatever I want. She's not going to manipulate me and say, I'm the wife, I do whatever I want. We're not going to do this kind of thing. We're going to sit in the tension of disagreement, praying, listening for God's will. I believe that that's part of becoming a good listener is that in as you and I are exchanging text in the middle of a conversation, whatever that is, that you and I are talking with one another and we're sharing our opinions, but we're listening to each other and we're listening to God and we're asking Him to intervene in our discussions. And for those of you that maybe you don't know, as your pastor, just please understand this from this moment forward, every time you and I are having a conversation about your life, my life, the Scriptures, or anything else, I want you to know that many, 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 many years ago, I learned the skill or art or whatever you want to call it to be listening to you and praying for you at the same time. And I want you to know I've been doing that for years. That's part of, it's just part of the normal way I live my life now because very early on in my Christian experience, a mentor modeled that for me and they helped me understand that. And so do I always say the right thing? No. Am I perfect in my understanding? No. But I want you to know my heart, that as I'm listening to you, as you send me a text, an email, or a personal conversation, I want you to know that I prayerfully consider 
the words that you present to me. And I'm asking God to help me understand you. I'm asking God to help me see what you're, what you're trying to say. And I'm asking God for wisdom to give you a proper response. That's the way I have every conversation. And so please know that, that that's my heart. That's the way I'm operating. Because a good listener understands, or excuse me, a good listener can disagree in favor of God's will. Look at Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Look at what he says there. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you judge. For we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Now what had happened in this chapter, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had healed someone. And then the religious leaders drug Peter and John before the the council. And because all of the attention and all of the popularity was going to the disciples, they thought once they had gotten rid of Jesus that perhaps they would get the attention back again. But they weren't. They weren't getting the attention back. And so what had happened was they drove the people, they they brought Peter and John and they said, listen, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Stop talking about Jesus. And Peter and John were like, well, if it's wrong, if you think that God would have us not, you, you guys could just be where you are. Believe what you want about God. Believe what you want about what I'm doing. But for me, I, I can just speak of what I've seen and heard, I can only tell you that this man was, was lame, and now he can walk. That's all I know, <laughs> right? And so they were able to sit in that disagreement. And then a final point is this, that a good listener understands the culture and gives confidence to those who speak, okay? Check out this verse in Acts chapter 26, where this is before I read it. Is, is now Paul is in Paul the Apostle is in a lot of trouble. He's been preaching and preaching and preaching about Jesus. The Gentiles are mad at him. The Jew, Jews are mad at him. Everybody's mad at him because he won't stop talking about Jesus. And he's getting in trouble everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, riots ensue because he keeps talking about Jesus. And then finally, as he's under arrest, he says this to King Agrippa. He says in verse 3, Especially because, he says, this he's telling Agrippa, excuse me, I didn't give you the full context. He's telling Agrippa why he's excited to speak. Because he finally, after getting forgotten about in jail for many years, he's now brought before King Agrippa. And King Agrippa says, hey, why don't you tell me your story? Why are you here? Why have you been arrested? Why are the Jews and Gentiles all mad at you? And Paul is saying, I'm so excited that I get to talk to King Agrippa, and this is why. He says, especially because you are familiar with all of the customs and the controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. And so here's Paul the Apostle, and he says, finally I get a hearing with King Agrippa. And why do I want to speak with King Agrippa? Because he knows the culture, and he knows all that is going on in the world. He understands the Jews. He understands the Gentile. He gets the full picture of the setting, so I want to talk to him. And so who can we talk to today? People that understand our culture, that they understand what's going on, that they understand the scriptures, that they understand what God is doing, and they understand what's going on in the world, those are the people that we can't wait to gain an audience from. But if you're ignorant of the culture and you're ignorant of the scriptures, maybe not so excited about getting your advice. (laughs) So, in order to be a good listener, in order to get people excited about talking to you, understand the culture understand the scriptures be a person that understands what's going on has a clear head a clear mind is not 
extreme in any of the directions that people want you to be extreme in today, but someone that is reasonable, that is calculated, that is wise, that is calm. Be that kind of person. Because as you are that kind of person, people are going to want to talk to you. But people are not going to want to talk to you if you're extremely angry, if you're extremely frustrated, if you're just dismissive. I'm going to talk to you. But a good listener understands the culture and gives confidence to those that speak. So I want to close with this. If we started with only those that are good listeners or worthy of the conversation, then I want to challenge you to become, a wor- become worthy of the conversation by asking clarifying questions. And I'm just going to give you a few examples. This is the most important thing that you can ever learn to do in talking with somebody. If you are going to have a meaningful conversation with anybody at any time, at any place, you must know this skill, okay, to ask clarifying questions. Here's a couple of examples. What do you mean? It's a wonderful question. Another example. How'd you come to that conclusion? Not in a defensive way, but in an honest seeking way. Why did you use that word in describing me? That's another one. (laughs) How does that make you feel? Can you help me understand? And then we can say, are you saying, and then repeat back to them our interpretation of their words. Are you saying that you're angry with me? Are you saying that you're disappointed? Are you saying that you're hurt? Are you saying that you don't think I care? See what I'm saying? You're getting more out of them. And finally, one of the best questions you can ever ask someone is, hey, do you think I'm understanding you correctly? Do you feel like we're on the same page, that I I get what you're saying? Or do you feel like we're missing it somehow? Do you feel like maybe I'm not understanding you? you? Maybe I don't get it. And there are thousands of other (laughs) clarifying questions that you can learn to ask. And you're going to have to learn different ones with different relationships that you're in. But it's a skill of listening that I believe will greatly enhance your marriages, will greatly enhance the way that you raise your children, will greatly enhance the way you deal with your boss and other co-workers. The ability to ask clarifying questions. And made just as a bonus... Speaking directly to the person, right? Speaking directly to the person. Father, we pray today that you would help us. Because, Lord, it is so hard this day and age to listen. Because so much is being said, and Lord, be honest, our ears are tired. And Lord, I know that I've probably preached too long today, and their ears are very tired. And they... Lord, I may be tired of listening to me. But Father, I know that our tired ears must be open. And our tired hearts must be open. Our tired minds must, consider, must continue to um, consider words, ask clarifying questions, seek wisdom, seek to be a good listener. And Father, for those that have not been made wise in this area. I pray that you would discipline them and get them to the point where they're wise enough to listen. They're smart enough to consider. 
And Father, that you would help us be people like Agrippa, where other people just can't wait to talk to. That the ch- this church and these people that are listening today, that they would be people that are good listeners, learning to ask clarifying questions, not jump to conclusions, not think about the next thing they're going to say, and help our church, Lord, to be worthy of conversations. And most of all, may we be listening to you. 